just listening to those three ladies, firstly, thank you, ladies, for sharing with us. Uh, but I was just thinking how there are heroes of the faith sitting right amongst us who have followed Jesus through incredible things. And uh, that's part of the joy of community, is actually hearing, learning those things, and being encouraged, and being strengthened by our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I do want to just say as a preacher that uh, I am 45 minutes late and I haven't started. <laughs> Preachers, watch the clock, because uh, if you go long, people start getting edgy. And, but just tell the person next to you, it's absolutely fine. It's Saturday night. <laughs> and we're going to still have marshmallows. Okay. So, uh, we've been looking forward. We've been praying for this moment as elders. We've been praying as leadership teams in the three different congregations. And we've been looking forward for quite a few months now for this time. We are God's people, and we follow Jesus together. And so we wanted more than anything than to have a conference and to have a good event and to have a photo booth. We want to hear from Jesus. I hope you want to hear from Jesus. I hope you want to hear from God, your Father. And we felt uh, led, you might you might know this, that you haven't got the A team tonight, you haven't got the B team, you haven't got the C team, you haven't got the D team, you've got the E team. We invited four other people to this conference and they turned us all down. I think God could have... Thinking about who we could invite and I said to the guys, stop! I think God could have made any of those guys say yes. I think God wants us to preach at this conference, not because we're any better than those other people, but God's going to give us a word. And I know exactly where I was, well, kind of, when God spoke to me and then I shared it with the elders about this weekend called Restore. It wasn't just a cute name. I was flying from uh, Blantyre to uh, Tanzania and as I took off, I, was, I had my journal open, and I was praying, saying, God, won't you? I know you could have called other people to come and speak. And I felt God put the book of Haggai on my heart. And the more I started reading it on the plane, these two sermons came. I'm going to preach tonight. I'm going to preach tomorrow. We've got two sermons tomorrow morning. Isn't that amazing? It's like first and seconds. And Tom's going to be preaching first thing in the morning, and I'll preach again. But these messages came like this from the book of Haggai, and I really want to just pray and ask that we would hear our Savior speaking to us. Amen? Because He's our Lord and our King. So, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge You as we've already done in song, as we've done in testimonies today. Lord, we say we surrender all. As we're saying, we want Your will to be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, I pray that you'd find our hearts soft and our ears open. In your mighty name, amen. Uh, I hope I'm not uh, making a mistake just now, but before I start, because I haven't started yet, so you can't start your watch. Uh, uh, Sia, I hope I don't embarrass you, but I want to say it was an absolute privilege to pray with my friend Sia to give his life to Jesus tonight, hey? 
So Sia, he said to me, I want to pray that I'll become the son of God. It's like, I can help you with that. Sia, welcome to the family. Hallelujah. So, we feel like God wants to speak to us uh, from this book over this time together. We believe that God is wanting to do a work of restoration in all of us, much like God did with His people at the time of this book being written, which was just after the Babylonian exile. And so, we, we're going to look at a book that's historical, and I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain the history so that you can understand what was happening then, so that you can understand what's happening now. But at that time, God wanted to restore the priority of His people's love for Him, their worship of Him, and their sacred rhythms of worship, forgiveness, sacrifice at the temple. God wanted to do something that would restore what had been lost from them. And so we're really praying that that would happen through each of these times of worship and these messages. It's so important for us to understand the context of the book of Haggai if we're going to understand the message God has for us today. Because although this message is 2,500 years old, I believe if we understand it, we'll understand what God's saying to us Today. And the story actually starts not 2,500 years ago, but 2,900 years ago, when God's people, if you were to take a, a snapshot of God's people over that period of time, they were a people who were in compromise. Their love for God was compromised. And because of that, whenever love for God is compromised, they had sin in their lives. They even, there was a period of about 400 years that you can read in the Bible, in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, and it was a period that was characterized by those things, by compromise, by sin and idolatry. And God, being patient and kind like we know He is, sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and every time He would call His people, if only you would turn to me. If you would come back to me, I'll forgive you, and I'll heal this mess that you've made. But the problem is, they didn't listen. And so eventually, this might be a shocking thing to hear, God stopped sending prophets because they weren't listening. And so God sent an invading army from another country to deal with these people because they wouldn't listen to the prophet. Just pause for a moment. When God whispers to you, listen, because He will turn up the volume until you hear. So God sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and they wouldn't listen. And so then God sent an army, not to fight for them, but to destroy them, to destroy Jerusalem, to destroy God's own temple, the place on the planet where God's presence dwelt, where you could get your sins forgiven, gone. And the people of Israel were frog-marched 900 kilometers into Babylonian exile for a period of 70 years. But even when he needed to discipline his children as a father, God made a promise. It's a promise you know so well you just don't know the context. Jeremiah 29, 29, huh? Was it 29, 11 or 29, 29? Huh? If my people, huh? For you, plans to prosper you, 
and give you a hope and a future. That was the promise God gave His people as they were marching to Babylon. What God was saying is, I'm going to bring you back in 70 years' time. And so God, does God do what He says? He does. He's faithful all the time. Amen? And so God did exactly what He said He was going to do. And so God moved a foreign king, the king of Persia. The Medo-Persians clapped the Babylonians, and there's a new king, and his name is Cyrus. And God moves the heart of Cyrus to allow God's people to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild a city and to rebuild the temple. And so Cyrus actually allows them to go back. And this is the time that the book of Haggai is written in. It's also the time that the book of Ezra is written in and the book of Nehemiah. They're all written in the same period of time. You might be thinking, oh, it's a bit late on a Saturday night for a history lesson. You were thinking that, hey? You might be saying, but what does this have to do with us? Well, you see, I feel like we also have a need for restoration. These people needed restoration because their city was destroyed and because the temple was destroyed. The place where God dwelt was destroyed. The place where they were forgiven was destroyed. They needed to see a restoration. And I believe we also have a need for restoration post-COVID. We have come through our own exile of sorts through COVID. Many of us have faced hardship, sorrow, even loss, just like they did in Babylon. Many of us have faced incredible sorrow. Some of us have faced loss of loved ones. Our lives have been disrupted, and to some degree, our lives are still disrupted. During lockdowns, your normal sacred rhythms of Sundays and midweeks and worshiping God in different ways, all centered around God's house, the church, were disrupted, weren't they? I mean, imagine, I remember standing in Ilfracom. Who was there, Ilfracom, when I told you, you can't come to church next week? Do you remember? Tulani's laughing. And it was Easter just coming up, and I said, don't go to another church. I mean, I never thought I would tell people not to come to church, ever. But we had our lives and our worship of God disrupted. It was like we were in an exile, unable to worship. Now, I know that we don't worship at the temple. This isn't a physical place. But the people of God are the place where God chooses to dwell amongst the praises of His people now. But you know what? Hallelujah, we're not wearing masks. Just look at that glorious face next to you. Huh? Look particularly at their nips, their nips, their nose and their lips. Their nips. Look at their nips. Praise God those seasons have gone. Amen? But here's the story. Here's the connection. We are a little bit like those people who came back to Jerusalem, to a ruined city where everything wasn't like it used to be. You know, we've come back to church, but we're still only a remnant. We used to have just less than this number of people on a Sunday morning in Toti, on a Sunday morning. And we had an evening meeting as well. We had over 200 people gathering every single Sunday in Toti. We now have 100, and we don't have an evening service. That is a remnant of what it used to be. Do those people still exist? 
what's happened? We have lost our sacred rhythms. They used to have rhythms around the temple. We used to have rhythms around church. We now see people, many people, coming one in four weeks. One in three weeks. We've lost our rhythms. And we could say the same of uh, Ilfracom. We haven't fully recovered from where we, what, where we were. The only congregation that's doing better than it was before COVID is the city. <laughs> because they didn't exist before COVID. <laughs> Friends, although we can laugh at this, this is a very serious thing. There is a serious connection between the people in Haggai's time coming back needing restoration and ours. And so I believe the book of Haggai has a timely message for us because I believe God wants to do something great amongst us. Amen? I believe God wants to do something of what He did amongst the people of Haggai's time. The best is yet to be is not just a little tagline. Oh, that'll be nice under restore. It's a prayer and it's a sense of prophetic burden that the best is yet to come in this church. Amen? And so let's jump into, that was just the conference intro. Let's jump into my message. Amen. Tembekile, won't you come and join me? I think you'd rather hear Tembekile than me. What's going on? Guys, please stop. If you feel like you're missing it, so am I. Guys, stop. Okay. All right, okay. let's hear God's word. Quieten your heart. The command to rebuild the temple. In the second year of Darius, the king in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you, for you to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does, does so to put into bags with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may, make, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of the host, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for you a drought on the land, on the hills, and on the grain, and the new wine, the oil, and on what the ground brings forth, and on man, and beast, and so on. And so, and sorry, and on all their labors. Amen. Thanks, Timmy. Amen. 
We're going to take some time now to unpack this paragraph, this passage that we just read, Haggai chapter 1, the first 11 verses. The first heading is the problem of priorities. Have you ever put off for tomorrow what you should have done today? We're in exam season. You know you should have started it, but it just doesn't feel like the right time. When we do this, we enter a cycle that is called the procrastination cycle. We procrastinate. We, we don't do what we should be doing. And then we feel guilty that we're not doing what we should be doing. And then we make excuses to excuse our not doing what we should be doing. And then we panic. And so we procrastinate some more. And so people get into this sort of a cycle. Well, 2,500 years ago, God's people entered a cycle just like this. You see, God's people were saying something. The prophet Haggai quotes what people were saying. This is what they were saying. People in Jerusalem were saying, the time hasn't yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. It's not time right now for us to do that. But you see, the king of Persia had declared in 539 BC and said that they could go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so just a few years, I think it was two or three years later, they actually do start going back in 536 BC. And they came to recover normal life, normal worship. They came to restore sacred rhythms of worship, to restore the temple, the place where they could be forgiven of their sins, the place where they would celebrate the presence of God, the place where they would worship God. They came back to restore all those things in 536 B.C. But our passage tells us, if you relook at Haggai chapter 1, it gives a date that is very important, right at the start of Haggai chapter 1. And the date is important because of the time that is different between the date that Haggai spoke and when they first came back. And do you want to know how many years it was? They had come back, and 16 years later, God's house was still in ruins. They hadn't fixed God's house at all. Now, this wasn't actually news to them that God's house was destroyed because God's house had been destroyed 70 years before, plus 16 since they came back. So God's house had been destroyed for 86 years. They knew God's house was destroyed. But here's the problem. While God's house was in ruins, their houses were looking amazing. They came back to Jerusalem and quickly sorted out fields and houses and businesses. They got their lives sorted in those 16 years, but they did nothing to God's house. And yet, here's the sting. What they were saying is, you see, it's not, just, it's not the right time for us to rebuild God's house. They know they've been building their houses, but it wasn't the right time for them to build God's house. And so God, in His incredible grace, sends a prophet. It's His grace that He speaks to us. The worst thing that can happen to you is that God stops speaking to you. 
You mustn't be worried when you feel like God, oh God, that's a bit difficult for me to hear. You must thank God that He's speaking. When God's not speaking, when God says, enough, I'm not speaking anymore, and He sends an invading army, that's when you need to be worried. So when you're hearing the whispers of the Holy Spirit, listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. And so God sends the prophet Haggai, and the reason in the heart of God is God wants to unstuck them. He wants to get them out of the place that they've been in. And this is what God says in verse 3, 4, and 5. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. God says, they've said it's not time. And then God said, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house, he's talking about his own house, lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's something that's, that comes up five times in this book where God says, think about it. Consider what's happening. Verse 9 really gets me. God says, my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Can you see the glaring problem in this passage? While they were saying, it's not time to restore God's house, they were saying, it's time to build our houses. And I can feel pain in the heart of God in verse 9. My house is in ruins. Why did God feel pain? I feel God felt pain because their actions and the decisions that they were making was communicating their hearts. It was revealing where their hearts were really at. It was telling God and themselves how the state of their love for God was really. You see, their actions were revealing that God wasn't the first love in their heart. But how did this situation arise? How did these people who must have been so excited to leave Babylon and come back to Jerusalem, how did they end up in a situation where 16 years later they'd built their own houses but hadn't touched God's? Well, actually, if you know the story and if you read the book of Ezra and if you're in Rec Road Church, we're going to be reading Ezra and Nehemiah in the next months just to carry on with this theme. But if you read the book of Ezra, you'll realize that there was some serious opposition to them building the temple. There were some circumstances that contributed to the place that they found their hearts in. And isn't that always true of our lives? These ladies who were sitting here, each of them shared how this has been a challenge for me. They were vulnerable. They were real. They were saying, Tough things have happened, and I had to really push through that time, and I needed to really hold on to God for faith in God. These people faced some difficult circumstances which caused them to get discouraged and not do the things that God had called them to do. These people, as you read the book of Ezra this month, you'll find out they had people who opposed them. They, they were people that were opposing their building of the temple. They, they even faced legal challenges, and they even had a military threat against building this temple. So they'd gotten to a place where they decided, this is not a good thing to do. And brothers and sisters, I think we can be like them. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place where the circumstances in our lives are so tough that the circumstances in our life can explain where we're at in our relationship with God. I was speaking to one of you just before the meeting, and God's come through and given you a job, but just the day before you, you nearly wanted to throw in your faith because God hadn't come through. And, and our life circumstances can be a real challenge for our faith, can't they? 
And so that is true for these people as well. But brothers and sisters, our circumstances can never excuse our upside-down priorities. Although it might help us to understand how this is a challenge, it's never okay for us to not put God first. So for the people in Haggai's time, their problem was that their priorities were upside down. So how could that relate to us in 2022? Well, for us, just like they face challenges that discourage them about building, for us, COVID has brought many challenges in many of our lives. Challenges that we still face today, or we're still dealing with the, the outflow of them and the disruption that came from COVID. And sometimes we can look at those challenges and they can help us to understand the situation that we find ourselves in with regard to faith and our love for God. But what I want us to see tonight is that our circumstances will never explain or excuse our having a wrong set of priorities. Brothers and sisters, post-COVID, many of us are in a place of still needing to have the priority of our love for God restored. I believe that's something that God wants to do tonight and even was in some of the words that came in worship. I believe God wants to restore the priority of our love for Him. God wants to restore the priority of our love and our commitment to building His house, the church of Jesus Christ. God wants us to restore our life, to our lives sacred rhythms and practices that will build our faith and will put the glory of God on display. So often we hear an excuse for someone not being on a Sunday or not being at community group. I just need to sort some things out this weekend or this week. Have you heard that sort of thing? Can you hear that that person saying, it's just not the time? They're saying exactly the thing that the Israelites were saying. Or my family, X, Y, Z. I, I just need to look after this. And if I've got some excess time, then I can give that to that. I've been really busy lately, and I'm so tired, I need to rest. How often don't we see people treating church commitment as one of the many options, rather than the thing that they organize their whole life around? Because that's what the temple was in Jerusalem. You knew there was a temple in Jerusalem. You knew that that was the place where God was, and everything was arranged around that. So, brothers and sisters, it's worth considering how different are we really from the people in Haggai's while we're actually saying, but I do have time for X, Y, Z. Would you agree with me this book is relevant? And it's relevant when we think about priorities. Let's look at the second point tonight. What does God say to them and what does God say to us? He says, consider your ways. And so God points out the problem that he has with his people's priorities. And then he says to them five times, I want you to think about what's happening in your life. I want you to consider your ways and understand what I'm saying to you. God says to the Israelites, I want you to stop and I want you to think about what's been happening to you. And I want you to see that what's been happening to you has actually been from my hand. God says, think about what you've been experiencing and how I'm speaking to you through it. So what had been happening to them? Well, in verse 6 
it says that they'd been working in their fields, they'd been working hard every day, but they'd not been getting any produce. They'd not been reaping anything from their fields. So like they're working hard in their fields and it's like their fields are producing nothing. Verse 6 also says that they're living unsatisfied lives, unfulfilled lives. It's like they're working, but they never get ahead. And lastly, in verse 6, it says that they feel like, all of us can identify with this one, they feel like their money goes into pockets with holes in it. Have you had that? You know, it's, it's like I hate getting payday because then I'm going to get 100 SMSs the next morning. Do you also get that present? You wake up and it's 7 o'clock. It's like ding, ding, ding. And I think, I'm loved. I'm loved. <laughs> no, someone loves my money. Well, this is exactly what these people were experiencing. They were, they were in a place where they felt like there was more month at the end of the money. Like they, they just, they didn't have enough. So this was their life experience. You say, sure, God's writing about South Africa right now. And yet, what they hadn't realized, listen carefully, what they hadn't realized is that it was God, verse 9 says, that blew away their crops. God blew away their crops. God brought a drought, verse 10 and 11, and God said to the land, you will not produce for these people. They planting, they working, they sweating. God says, don't produce this year. Brothers and sisters, because of the reality of a verse like this, a passage like this in the Bible, I've taught myself to ask God. When circumstances are hard, I've, asked, I've, I've taught myself to ask this sort of question. God, how are you moving towards me in this circumstance? God, what are you saying to me in this circumstance? We are normally praying prayers of ejection. Get me out of here, God. Olufefe, thanks for sharing honestly that you haven't been healed yet, but you're still asking God to heal you, but Lord, help me in it. That is the reality of the Christian life most of the time. But what we need to ask is, God, so you could just relieve this from me. You could just give me a job. You could just give me a husband. You could just, you haven't. So, Lord, what are you saying to me? How are you moving towards me? What are you saying to me? C.S. Lewis famously said, and I think he cribbed this from the book of Job, God whispers to us in our pleasures. God speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is God's megaphone. It's, it's what God uses sometimes to get our attention. And we see this in the book of Haggai. God saying, you saying it's not time to build my house, but I'm saying it is my time. And so you've got time for everything else. And so I've wiped out your crops and I've caused your, your pockets to, to leak because I want to get your attention. I want to speak to you. I want you to see that God is speaking to His people through their pain. God is speaking to His people through. It's not that He's punishing them. He's trying to get their attention. God wanted to get their attention so that they would listen to Him. God wanted he, these people 
to prioritize his house. In fact, God actually says in verse 8 that I want to take pleasure in it, in this temple, and I want to be glorified in it. That's what God wanted. He wanted them to finish the temple so that he could be pleased with it and so that he would be glorified in it. Brothers and sisters, God wants to be pleased with us. God wants to be glorified in the choices you make. God wants to be glorified in His church as she displays His glory to a watching world. Bazalwan, we need to consider our ways. We need to consider what's happened to us or what's not happened to us. And we need to ask, Father, is this you? Is there some way that you are moving towards me in this life circumstance? Is it you wanting to get my attention in some way? Rick Road, as part of God's house here, we have been a shadow of our former health. For many of us, as God's people, to some degree, we've been languishing in our commitment. For many of us, we've not been prioritizing God's house above all things. And we can explain. We can always explain. We can always give a reason. I hate going to checkers on a Sunday because I bump into people who give me these long reasons why they went to church. I don't care. I just want you to be there. I don't care what you say. We can always come up with a reason. Am I right? Nadine's community group and Sitabile's community group meets a Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I can tell you my wife hates the phone at 6.30. We can always give a reason, can't we? But in this passage, what we see is that God feels deeply about this situation in His people's hearts. And God wants to take pleasure in His house. He wants a church that is restored to spiritual health and strength. He wants the church to be the priority in our hearts because He's the priority in our hearts. God wants to be glorified in His church, and He wants to take pleasure in His church. He wants to see that we are committed to sacred rhythms of worship and forgiveness and repentance. God wants us to be in deep community with each other because we love each other like He asked us to. God wants us to be living out lives of redemption and unity to, that put on display His glory. God wants these things, and that's why God is speaking to us now. Which brings me to my third and last point. Restored. God never speaks without purpose. God doesn't waste His words. Pastors are sometimes verbose. But God never speaks without purpose. God never speaks either without a heart of love for you and me. Just tell the person next to you, God never speaks without his heart being full of love for you. And because God loves you, he wants you to respond. That's what God really wants. He'll send an enemy army if that's what will get you to respond, but he wants you to respond to him. And so God spoke words of robust love to His people because He loved them so much. 
And God is speaking to us tonight, words which you might feel, your, this wasn't what I thought the Restore Conference was about. Well, God is speaking tonight to us because He loves us so much, and He's not willing to let us languish with wrong priorities. Amen? So I think we should have Tim Bikila come and read the last few verses without any fanfare. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord Hallelujah. their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Hallelujah. Then Haggai, the, mes the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of God, the Lord their host. On the, 20, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Thank you so much, Tembi. So this... What Tammy has just read, I would urge you to read again, because this is an incredible good news story. I don't want you to miss it. You see, from Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, to Haggai chapter 2, is only three weeks. And so this is the real story here. After 16 years of not doing what they should have been doing in restoring God's house, after 16 years of not doing God's will, after God speaking to them three weeks later, they were already doing it. They had not been doing anything. They were stuck for 16 years. God speaks, changed their hearts. And so they started to do what God had called them to do. I'm just going to read it again, and it says, the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message. That is a radical verse. That's not some keen beans in the front row. No, the whole people of God began to obey the voice of God, and it says, the people feared the Lord. You know, after 16 years of being stuck, you might have thought that Haggai would have prophesied, and these people would have gone, oh, what's for lunch? Because we like that, aren't we? If you, if you get stuck in a rut, if you get stuck in, in, a, in a state of languishing, someone preaches, or there's something in the Bible, and it's like, nah. But here, God speaks, and they respond. They fear the Lord. And they obey. Brothers and sisters, here's the good news for us. Our hearts are designed to respond to God. So that when God speaks, we respond. And our hearts can change in an instant. Some people came and got prayed for tonight. You must never look down on coming forward and being prayed for. Significant life moments can happen in a moment in the front of a meeting. They can happen at the back of the meeting. They can happen in the toilet. But they can happen here. And significant things have happened in my life 
responding to God in a moment and saying, Lord, I'm giving you my yes. Here I am, Jesus. Pray for me, someone. These people's hearts changed like this. That's how powerful God's words are. And so the best thing always when God speaks to us is this. Whether it's a personal word or whether it's a word to all of us together, the best thing to do is to God. Because He loves you. And because His words bring life. Amen? And so in this passage, a 16-year-old problem, that's not a, a daughter of someone, but a 16-year-old problem was unlocked in a moment. And these people obey God's word. They fear God and they revere Him again. I love how these people, it says in verse 7 when it's describing God, the NLT translation describes God in verse 7 as the Holy One, the Lord of heaven's armies. It's like they get a revelation of who God really is and His majestic power. And so the people who've been opposing them are like, who are those guys compared to God? It's a little bit about like the David and Goliath story when the whole of Israel is, is quivering and all they can see is this guy called Goliath and David shows up and is like, who is this uncircumcised dude? You're the armies of God. What are you doing? David sees God. Everyone else saw Goliath. Are you more aware of your Goliath? Or have you got your eyes on the Lord of heaven's armies? Do you see, they suddenly get a revelation in verse 7 of who God is again. And so we better obey Him, but also God's on our side. So who can be against us? And I always add, I always think Paul meant to write and succeed. Because there are people against us. Paul knows that. They try to kill him. But they won't succeed. Brothers and sisters, here's an amazing thing that happens. God speaks to them. They respond. They fear God. They see God again. And verse 13 is amazing to me. God loves obedience. When you respond to God, God responds to you responding to God. And God says this in verse 13. I am with you. I am with you. The very thing that was unique about the people of God. The very thing that Moses said, I'm not going to go unless you go with us. The very thing that was the center of the temple, the presence of God. God says, I'm with you. Even though there's no temple, I'm with you. Because they respond to Him. And then it says, not only does God say, I'm with you, but God stirred up. The Spirit of the living God stirred up the Spirit of the leader, the Spirit of the prophets and priests, and the Spirit of all God's people. God sends His Spirit I know Tom's going to come back to that tomorrow. When we respond to God, God cannot help but respond to us and affirm us of Him being near and fill us with His Spirit to empower us to do the very thing that He's called us. Brothers and sisters, God loves obedience. And so if we're a soft-hearted people who respond to God, know that God loves to rush in and to meet your repentance, your looking to Him, your faith. He loves to come rushing to that. And so here in Haggai, God restores the very purpose of the temple before the temple is even built. 
The temple was built so that the presence of God could be there. And God says, I'm with you already. Even without a temple, I'm with you. Brothers and sisters, I cannot imagine anything better than a church that is fully restored to loving God above everything else. Not with our leftovers, but with our first. Living to obey God because we revere God. A restored church full of God's presence and His glory. A church that brings Him pleasure. God wants us to build His house. God wants to use you to build His house. God wants us to make His church our priority. God wants us to make His church becoming such a glorious gospel-centered community of love our priority, a people that will put on display His glory to the watching world. I want to ask you to stand. Band, you can stay where you are. We were going to sing another song. Why don't you just close your eyes? Why don't you ask yourself, what is God saying to me tonight? What has God said to you? Is there some way in which you need to reprioritize your life? And why don't you just confess that to God? Just say, Lord, I know that I've been saying, yeah, it's not time. I've got time for this. I've got time. It's not time. You've been giving God your, your 30%. God says, I want it all. You sang, and I'll stand. God says, will you? Do you give me your all? I want you to hear tonight the love of God, that God is speaking to us because He loves us that much. And He doesn't want us languishing, wasting our lives on trivial things and ignoring the thing that matters most to Him, His precious bride, the church of Jesus Christ, bride of Christ, It's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. When Saul was persecuting the church, Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Jesus loves his church. And he wants you to love the church like he does. So I want to encourage you to be like the people in Haggai's time who responded. Maybe you've been thinking, but God, things just aren't working in my life. And God would say, I've blown some of those things away because I want your attention. I want your all. I want to urge you, you might even need to get on your knees You might even need to just say, Lord, I repent. 
if you don't feel like you need to repent, then won't you weep? over the state of the church of Jesus Christ. It isn't unique to just this church. It's commonplace in many churches coming out of COVID. May our hearts be broken with the thing that breaks God's heart. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to deal with us. We invite you. Thank you, Lord, that what you want to do is to restore us. We give you our all, Lord Jesus. We give you our all. We say, Lord, forgive us for prioritizing anything higher than you. Would you forgive us, Lord? Lord, we say it's time. It's time to build. It's time to prioritize you and your glory and your mission above all things. It's time. So, Lord, we, we give ourselves to you afresh. We recommit ourselves to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As closed, thank you, Jesus. If you feel like, just with the eyes closed, I don't want anyone else to be aware of you, but if you feel I want to commit myself again, you're prioritizing God first and God reliance. That's what this church is about. If you say, I know I need to, I need to say that again. God, you really are first. I want to put you first. Why don't you just put up your hand as a sign to God and to yourself. Lord, I'm putting you first. Why don't you just pray right now and you just say, Lord, here I am. Lord, would you please forgive me? Would you wash away any sense of guilt or shame? Thank you, Lord, that you come rushing in to those of us who are saying, yes, Lord, this is me. I thank you, Lord, that you, you love when we respond to you. So I pray, Lord, you'd fill my brothers and sisters with your powerful Holy Spirit. When you come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Won't you come and do what only you can do? Won't you come and rush upon each of my brothers and sisters who put up their hands, Lord, who, who need your spirit afresh right now? Lord, would you pour out your spirit? I ask that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your purposes are advanced not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so we ask, Lord, fill us again. Fill us again, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.